Hey, it's Ryan Tucker, and you're listening to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today, you're listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon titled, Are You Ready for 2023? Coming out of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. If you have a Bible today, I want you to open it to a passage of Scripture that I was thinking about this week. I've probably preached from this particular text maybe more than I've preached from any text in my entire 30 years of ministry. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at the first 10 verses. Now, if you're an old-timer around here, and by that I mean you've been here longer than five years... You'll remember that about 10 years ago, we, we, we had an entire series devoted to the verses that we're going to be looking at this morning. It was called Abandon. Abandon your time. Abandon your treasures. Abandon your trust. And I can't think of a greater passage of Scripture for you and I to be reminded of when we sat here in the very first day of 2023, how in the world can you and I make 2023 the very best year ever? Now, I want you to understand that whenever we talk about principles in God's word, it's not this self-help thing, right? It's not this, okay, let me give you seven quick ways to make this the best year ever. Let me give you five uh, life attributes. If you'll just work real hard, it'll make this year better than the last. No, ultimately, it's all about falling more in love with Jesus Christ, being more obedient, walking in faith, that that's what you and I as followers of Christ are doing. We are walking a faith journey. Now, with that being said, there are promises of God that we find in his word that we would say are conditional promises, where God says, if you do this, then I promise I'll do this. And we're going to see a lot of those in this passage of Scripture today. As we ask the question, are you ready for 2023? Now, the points are going to be very, very simple. A child could have come up with these points. But I love that the gospel message is so simple. That the Bible says unless every single one of us become like children, none of us will inherit the kingdom of God. If you missed last Sunday's service, I would encourage you to go back and watch the message because I even dealt with the subject of easy believism. That there are folks that say, oh, we got to be very careful. We don't want to be guilty of easy believism. Or friend, I'm going to tell you, if I'm going to be guilty of anything, it's easy believism and not hard believism. Because the gospel is just that. It is so simple that even a child can respond. And so with that being said, here's what we're going to do today. I'm not gonna read all 10 verses at one time. I'm going to give you, these are gonna be five principles. They're conditional promises of God. Five promises, I'll give you the promise, and then we'll read the scripture that corresponds with it so you know I'm not just up here shooting from the hip. And if you don't know what shooting from the hip means, I can't help you today. 
the first principle that meets these, uh, the conditional promises here of God is, how do I make this the best year ever? Simply obey God. I told you it's easy. It's so easy as far as the words, but doing it's a little bit harder. Obey God. Now, how in the world do you and I obey God? By keeping his word. By keeping his commands. Well, what is his word? Well, look what it says in verse 1. He says in verse 1, Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Where do we find the commands of God? Where do we find the teachings of God? Right here in the Bible. Right here in what we know as his holy word. Now, folks, as much as we would love for God, when we're driving home today from church, to all of a sudden deliver us a message resounding from the sky in an audible voice saying, this is what I want you to do. And let me say, he could flat out do it if he wanted to. He's really not doing that much. As much as you could sit on your back porch drinking your morning coffee and maybe when all this fog leaves us, but you could, you could, you could look up and you could, you could sit there and say, God, I, I really want to know what you have to say. And, and that God's going to sit there and he's going to take the clouds and he's going to write you a message in the sky. He's not really doing that much today. And I know you thought you saw a puppy in the clouds. I don't know that's an excuse to go buy one. As much as we would sit there and say, hey, God, why don't you write me this personal note? And it just comes floating down, right? This little letter to me as an individual, God saying, here's what I want you to do. He's really not doing that much today. And you know why he's not doing that much today? Because exactly, we know everything that he wants us to do right here according to God's word. We know everything about him according to God's word. We know everything about life according to God's word. We even know everything about you and I according to God's word. Everything we need to know is found right here in the Bible. So let me ask you a very probing question as we begin this year. How much do you cherish the Bible? How much do you study and read the Bible? Do you read tweet book more than you do the Bible? Do you read Facegram more than you do the Bible? I know that's not what it's called. Now, if there are some of you that would say, yes, I do, then I'm telling you, you're reading a lot of Bible because you're writing a lot on those foolish places. Examine your own life as we begin this new year. Matter of fact, we want this year in your life, in the life of our church, to be known as the year of the Bible. So much that we want to help you with that. This morning, I think we have a QR code that maybe we can throw up on the screens that all you, you guys know how it works by now. If you don't, I mean, my goodness, we can't help you. Turn to a neighbor, find a child 10 years or younger, and they'll show you how to do it. 
This is a five-day Bible reading plan. It's so simple, right? It's chronological in order, which here's what that means. It doesn't necessarily follow the books of the Bible, but instead, chronologically, the way the Bible happened, and it's a great plan, five days a week. And so go ahead, scan that code. We want to give that to you. I invite you, do that with me as your pastor this year. All year long, five days a week. Why you say, why not do seven days a week? Knock yourself out. We felt like for some of you, if we just got you to start with five, that would be good. That way, if you miss one, you've got two more days to catch up the rest of the week. But we're to obey God. How do we obey God? We do what he says. How do we know what he says? We've got to read his word. Now, I can't believe this. Honestly, I can't. But here's what I've been told. I've been told that there are churches out there that when you go to those churches, that they're actually a preacher who stands up and he doesn't really use the Bible. I could never imagine that, folks. Honestly, I couldn't even fathom that. Have you noticed And and have you learned that I preach the Bible? If you were to take, you know, if you were to take the Bible away from me, I would have nothing to say to you. From time to time, I'll get invited to come and speak at events, and there'll be, uh, you know, community events or organizations, and I always tell them this. I always say, understand that I'll come and speak, but I must speak what the Bible says, because if I don't speak what the Bible says, I don't have anything to say. Guys, understand the position that I hold, the position that God has called me to. I'm not some after-dinner speaker. I'm not some public platform artist. Artist, I am a teacher, and I am a preacher of the Bible. Because I believe that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. Second Timothy 3.16 says this, all Scripture, all Scripture Every single bit of it is God-breathed. It is inspired by God. In other words, every single word of it is God's message to us. God is trying to tell us something. And so as we start this year, ask the question, do I treasure God's word? And then there's a result here. Look at the promises in verse 2. If you obey him, obey what his word says. He says, for length of days... And long life and peace, they will add to you. That if you do that, he'll prolong your life many years. He'll bring you, here's the magical word, prosperity. Now, that doesn't mean that you have all the money that you want. But now, here's what God says. God says, I'll add years to your life. But he even says it greater, I'll add life to your years. And there's a big difference there. So how do I do this? How do I get this promise that he'll give me richness in life, that he'll give me true life in the years that I have? I'm going to obey him. I commit to understanding what he's written, to understanding what he says, and now living that out in my life. So the first one is obey God. Here's the second principle. Love God. Look in verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. 
write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Now, it's amazing if you study history, you know that ancient man, they would build these false idols. They would worship these false idols. They would offer sacrifices to these false idols so that they might appease the anger and the wrath of the false idol. History tells us that in some instances, they would even sacrifice their own children to this false idol. I can promise you it's a foreign concept to these ancient men that this idol says, you know what, I love you. I want you to love me. The idea was totally out of, out of the mind, and so it was totally foreign to them. And then all of a sudden, you had the real God of the universe, the living God, right, who comes along, and he delivers what would have been a revolutionary message. He says, listen, not only am I the living God, but I love you, and I want you to love me, too. It was a revolution. It still is today, isn't it? That God, the God of the universe, loves you. Yet that's what the scriptures say. And that one of the greatest things that we can do besides obey God is to love God. How do we love God? It's quite simply this. Be consistently faithful. So this morning, as you're making your New Year's resolution, or maybe you don't like that term, maybe you call it a New Year's commitment, whatever it may be, perhaps some of you ought to say this, this year, God, I want to be more consistent in my faithfulness to you. The problem is many Christians kind of have this relationship with God where they're on again, they're off again. They're hot and they're cold. They're high and they're low. It's week to week when what God really wants for us is to be faithful. He wants us to be consistent day by day. Interesting, last night, I don't know if you watched the fireworks that were being shot all around the world and they shown fireworks that are being shot in Tokyo and some that were being shot in London, New York City and Nashville and you know and I got to see the great magnificent fireworks of Southport <laughs> and it was crazy my neighbors listen to me my neighbors will not be confined to the way it is traditionally done. They didn't wait until 11.59 or 12 o'clock and say, Happy New Year. No, they started and they're like, Happy 6.30. <laughs> Happy 7 o'clock. You're like, when are they going to run out? Because my dog was a nervous wreck. And she was looking at me like, aren't you going to do something? I'm like, we live in Southport. You should have thought of this before you came to our house. <laughs> and we love to see the fireworks. And... But there are a lot of people out there that are called firework Christians. Now go with me on this. They sit there and they get all excited, right? They, they, some kind of explode and pop off. And there's this beautiful faithfulness for a while. 
And then all of a sudden, there's nothing left except a puff of smoke, and soon that blows away. Hear me, guys, that is not the Christian life. The Christian life is not some emotional spasm that you go through. The Christian life is walking in the Spirit of God day by day. Hear me, friend, it is not how high you jump when you get saved. It's how straight you walk when you come down. That ought to be a bumper sticker right there. Be consistently faithful in what? The basic things of the Christian life. We've already challenged you. Read your Bible. Make it a daily, daily discipline. Pray daily. Worship with the family of God. I'm amazed by folks who sit there and say, I love Jesus with all my heart, but I don't have to go to worship. I saw where somebody wrote this. That's like saying, I love my wife with all my heart. I'm just not going to live with her in marriage. That's foolish. Give. Serve. Fellowship. I'm just saying the basic things. You say, well, that's not real exciting. <laughs> it may not be, but that's what consistent faithfulness is. And what is the promise that God offers here? God says, if you love me, right, and if you are obedient and you are faithful, he says right there, you will enjoy his favor in verse 4. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be in favor with God. And then notice what it says here. Not only will God favor you, but in the very same verse, men, other people will show you favor. God's promise. Conditional yes. How do I approach this year? I'm making commitments this morning. I'm going to obey God in 2023. I'm going to love God in 2023. Let me give you a third one. I'm going to trust God. Hello. In 2023, look in verse 5. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. It's an important verse to me. When I graduated from high school, two or three years ago, when I graduated from high school, <laughs> there was a, okay, all right, 10 years ago when I graduated from high school, there, there was a family in the church that I grew up in, and they were very close to our family. And that family made me this beautiful calligraphy of these two verses. They framed it. They gave it to me. It was in the King James Version. Trust in the, amen. All right, it was in the NIV Version. Give me an NIV, amen. The NASV Version. The ESV Version. The message paraphrase. Just get you a copy of God's Word and flat read it till it falls apart and then get you another copy, okay? Anyway, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
And I took that to college with me and I hung it on the wall of my dorm. And, and here's what would happen. I would look at that from time to time and you know, things may be tough, things may be difficult. I may be sitting there saying, I just don't know what God's trying to do in this. I just don't know what is happening within my life. And I would look at that verse and I would read that verse and I would claim that verse and I would pray. Friend, if you know Jesus Christ, if you've not claimed that verse yet, you can because it's yours. Claim it. If you trust the Lord, he will guide you. You say, well, okay, I I'll trust him. I just don't know how to trust him. He tells us right there, lean not on your own understanding. What is your own understanding? Your own understanding is when you sit there and you try to understand things that are beyond who you are. Lean not on it. Think about that word lean. It's the exact same word that was used over in the book of Judges when it talks of Samson. After Samson had the haircut and his hair grew back and he was there and he was chained to those Philistine temple pillars or columns. I heard one country preacher say it this way about Samson. He was such an entertainer, he brought the house down. <laughs> but the word there, lean, it's the same word, that he leaned on those Philistine temple columns, and they did, they came crumbling down. And so it's the very same word. He says, lean not on your own pillar, right? Your own column of understanding. So here's what that means. I've got a column of my own understanding, and then I've got a column of trust God. I can't lean on both. If I'm leaning on the column of my understanding, then I can't lean on the column of trusting in God. That there are some things that, guys, you'll just lose your mind trying to figure out. For instance, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Can I just tell you, I don't have the answer for that. I don't know. When it comes to me leaning on my own understanding, I can't figure it out. But here's what I do trust. I trust that we have a God in heaven that nothing has ever surprised him. That we have a God in heaven that is looking at this from the other side of glory, a sovereign father in heaven who says, hey, 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 you can't see what all that I'm seeing. Just trust me. Why do good godly people get sick and some die when it seems like wicked pagan people sometimes live to a ripe old age? Lean not on your own understanding. Trust God. Notice his promise there. Look back. He says, your path will be straight. Maybe you have a translation that says this, your path will be smooth. Now, here's what happens. When you know God and when you love God, then you can trust God. You're not gonna trust someone that you don't know and you don't love. I'll give you an example. Let's just say that some stranger comes up to me and the stranger says, hey, listen, Stephen, 
uh, I need you to do something for me. Will you do me a favor? Naturally, I'm going to say, okay, what's the favor? And the stranger says this. The stranger says, well, listen, I'm not going to tell you what it is that I want you to do until you agree that you will do it. I'm just asking you to trust me. I'm going to say, you think I'm crazy? I don't know you. I don't love you. You don't love me. I'm not going to trust you. I think that's pretty good advice for everybody entering this new year. If a stranger tells you to trust them, chances are you probably shouldn't. But now let's say, let's say that my wife comes. And my wife says, Stephen, I need you to do something for me. I can't tell you what it is right now. I just need you to promise me that you'll do it. Now that's an unusual request. And some of you husbands may be thinking, there's no way I would ever agree to that. There's no way. That's why I'm in the mess I'm in right now. <laughs> but see, here's what I know. She would never do anything that would harm me. She would never ask me to do anything that would embarrass me. I love her. She loves me. I know her. She knows me. I can trust her. The reason why some of you guys have such a hard time uh, staying away from leaning on your own understanding is you don't know God. You don't love God. No, no wonder you have a hard time when it comes to trusting him with your life. But those of that know him and love him, when God says, just trust me, do what I tell you to do, you say, yes, sir, I can trust you. When some, when God says, trust me, you say, what do you want me to do, Lord? And God says, trust me. And you're like, uh-uh, tell me what it is at first. Yet, those that do, God says, I'll make your pathway straight. Now, do you know what that means? The word there literally means level. I'll make your pathway level. So we've started this brand new year. We might even call it a brand new road called 2023. And you have your own personal little path and you've discovered that sometimes your road is littered with speed bumps and potholes and you gotta do what? You gotta slow down sometimes. You gotta stop sometimes. There might even be a detour that you need to take sometimes. When we first moved here, almost 13 years ago to Panama City, we, we bought a house all the way at the very end of Risotto Beach Road. You couldn't go any further. It's roughly five miles down that road. And uh, we, we, we called it the dump road. I don't mean that derogatory. I'm just being truthful. Here's what that means. People dumped everything on that road. Their couches... They're animals. I kid you not, I get a phone call from my wife one Wednesday night and said, hey, be real careful coming home tonight. Right in the middle of Risotto Beach Road, there is a toilet in a black trash bag. And I'm like, are you serious? And so I, I, I came home and I didn't see it. It was gone. And one of our deacons at our next deacons meeting, he's sitting there and he goes, my goodness, you're not going to believe what happened. My wife was driving home the other night and she hit a toilet right in the middle of the road. And I'm like, Risotto Beach? He said, yes. 
you should have been there when we called the IR or the, uh, the insurance agent. She did what? She hit a toilet in the road. Yeah, totaled her car out. That doesn't make any sense. I've never, it's in Southport, Florida. <laughs> yeah, that should have made perfect sense, right? Yeah. But you know what? That road was a very bumpy road. Here's what would happen. I would take off going down that road and, you know, I'd get, you know, I, I, I'd probably doing a moderate rate of speed or something like that. And where Risotto Beach comes over Edwards. Now, I don't know if it's this way now because I know they paved it and everything, but here's the way it used to be. You flat bottom out. If you weren't paying attention, you'd come over there, it'd be like evil Knievel. You're going to gain air, and you're going to come down, you're going to hit, your bottom of your car is going to bottom out. There were marks all over the road where people had done that. And so you got to the point where you're like, i got to be careful coming up on this because I'm going to tear my car up. i got to be careful. There's a bump right there in the road. I'm going to be in trouble if I don't slow down. Well, you know what? I've discovered that sometimes our lives are a lot like that. And you and I get going pretty smooth for a while and then suddenly we hit a dip or suddenly we hit a big speed bump and we've got to slow down. It's almost like there's a barrier there in the pathway of our life. And as we reflect back upon 2022 this morning, there are many of you in this room that can think of some of your speed bumps that you dealt with. It's some of the potholes. It's some of the dips that you wish had been smooth, that you wish had been level and straight. And here's what God's saying. God's saying that if you'll just trust me with your whole heart, if you'll just acknowledge me in all your ways, I'm not saying the day will come where that dip and that pothole and that speed bump and that detour to where you'll sit there and say, oh, that makes perfect sense to me. He doesn't promise us that. Here's what he is saying. I'm working it all together for your good and my glory. Trust me in this Don't lean on your understanding. Trust in the one that sees tomorrow before we ever step into it. I'll make your way level. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to love God, trust God. Here's the fourth one. I'm going to fear God. Look in verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. How in the world do we fear God? We hate every kind of sin. That's how you fear God. You hate sin. You say, why? Because God hates sin. God despises sin. Sin is an abomination before God. Friend, hear me. You cannot love God if you're hanging on to sin. If you're messing around with sin, if you're playing around with sin, that when you have sin in your own life, you hate that sin in your life. You hate that sin in your community. You hate that sin in your culture. That when you begin to despise sin the way that God despises sin, then you'll fear God. Oh, it's quiet in here now. When it says to fear God, Please understand, it doesn't mean that you stand before God in terror. It means that you have a holy respect for him. Terror and a holy respect are different. I'll give you an example. When we moved in the house that we lived in, in Little Rock, 20 years ago, 
It was an older house. It was a cool house. I, you know, we didn't have much money and it fit our budget. And, you know, it had a lot of crafty things in it. But one of the things, and I knew as soon as we walked through the house, that it was just going to drive Jennifer crazy. The electrical plugs were different colors than the electrical plates. The plates were bright white. The plugs were off-white. And she's like, we got to do something about this. In the moment, I'm like, sure, no problem. We'll take care of it. Thinking, you know what? Yeah, we'll take care of it. Somebody else will take care of it when we move out of here. And she's like, you remember you promised me you'd take care of this. And I'm like, okay, it won't be that hard. Here's what I'm thinking. Go and buy off-white plates to go over the off-white plugs. And she said, no, 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 no. I want all white. not a problem. It's not a problem at all. I worked one summer in the maintenance department at the Kimberly-Clark Corporation when I was in college. I can handle this. And so I did. I started out, and I'm going to, you know, remove all the plugs, and who has time to mess with a lot of stuff? So I've just got my trusty little needle-nose pliers, and I'm just popping wires and stripping them and getting them back together again, and everything's going great. I would turn the power off to one room, and I would do all the plugs, and then I would move on to the next room. And I did not realize that the guy who built the house also ran the wiring through the house, and he would do something, and this means nothing to me. It may mean something to you, but he would actually piggyback sometimes a plug from the power of another room, not the room you were actually in. I found that out when it shot my needle-nose pliers across the room. And Jennifer's like, you can't do this. You're going to kill yourself. You're going to burn the house down. I'm like, I had the power off to that room. This makes no sense. We had a guy in the church. He was an electrician. His name was Lenny. And Jennifer's like, you've got to call Lenny. Call Lenny, have Lenny come over. So I talked to Lenny, I'm like, hey, could you come over to the house? I, you know, probably just need you to look at something. It's no problem, I got it all taken care of. But if you could just maybe help me know what was going on, that way I could finish it out. And Lenny came over and Lenny's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and finish the whole thing for you. And I said, talk to me about electricity, man. I, honestly, I got a little scared. I said, man, I was afraid I was going to kill myself or kill somebody else. Or, and I'm like, how, how do you work around electricity the way that you do? And here's what he says. I'm not afraid of it because he didn't turn the power off anywhere. <laughs> Probably broke some OSHA rules or something. I said, how do you do that? How are you not afraid? He said, well, I'm not afraid of electricity, but a good electrician always has a healthy respect for electricity. Understand, guys, that's, that's what it's saying right here. We have a holy respect of God. It means that we stand before God and we realize what an awesome God he is. And it causes us to respect him to the point that it's almost like we have this loving fear. And then look at the promise in verse 8 if we do this. This is what he says. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Here's what that means. That there is a connection between your spiritual self and your physical self. 
Sometimes people will ask me, Pastor, do you believe in divine healing? And here's how I respond. Anytime anybody is healed, I believe it's divine. I believe God's the one that does that. But I'm going to take it a step further. Not only do I believe in divine healing, I believe in divine health. That there are some of you this morning, you're thinking, you're like, well, you know what? God's never healed me. Honestly, come to think about it, there's never been a time where I've needed God to heal me then right now you need to say thank you, God, for the divine health that I have. Divine healing and divine health, it comes through a fear of God. Praise the Lord. It's a gift from God, so fear him. Here's the last one. Not only am I gonna obey and love and trust and fear God, I'm gonna honor him. Look in verse nine, I'm gonna honor God. I'm gonna lose some of you on this one. The good news is we don't have much longer to go. If you walk out now, everybody will know you've got a problem with 9 and 10. <laughs> Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new Wine. And so here's what God has just said. God has just said, if you honor me, then I will honor you. I can't imagine anybody listening to me this morning who would say, I don't want God to honor me. I don't want to honor him. No, I think you would say, yes, I want to honor God. Right here, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, is the only specific place in Scripture that tells us exactly how to honor God. And here it is. Give him the first of your wealth. Give him the first of your increase. That's what it says. I'm going to honor the Lord with the first fruits of my increase. Some people say this, I don't like it when we talk about money in church. Well, the reality is, I'm the one talking about it. Because God's Word talks about it. Over and over again, of the 38 parables that Jesus taught, 16 of them had to deal with money and possessions. He talked a lot about it. 288 verses in the four gospel accounts that deal with money and possessions. That means that one out of every 10 verses of Scripture in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John has to deal with money and possessions. What this verse is about is that you give God the first fruits of your financial income that he gives to you, and when you do that, you honor him. You say, how am I honoring God when I do that? Well, because basically you're saying, God, I'm returning to you the first of my blessings and the very best of my finances because I recognize that you're the one that has provided them. God, you're my source. God, you're the one that is giving this to me. Here's the problem that it happens so many times, the way that some give, is that every month or maybe twice a month or maybe once a week or whenever you get paid, whenever you start writing your bills and you'll pay your house payment and your car payment and your insurance payment and your utilities and all those things. And a lot of folks will sit there and they'll look at the balance of their checking account and they'll say, do I have anything left? Can I give anything to God? Can I give him any leftovers this week or this month? Hear me, friend, you don't honor God by giving him the leftovers. 
You honor God by giving him the very first and the very best. Back in Bible times, they would harvest a crop and they would bring the very first fruits of that crop to the very house of God. And they would give that as an offering, right? To God. And then God said, because you brought the best, because you brought the very first, hear me, none of the other harvest had come in. They were saying, God, we're trusting you with the rest of the harvest. God, we're trusting you to provide what we need. We're bringing you before we get anything else, the first and the best. And the Bible says that they would bring that in and give it to the house of God and that would promise a tremendous harvest. And so as we look back on 2022, we look forward to 2023. Let me ask you, are you doing that? That I think the first of every month, the first of every two weeks, or the first of every week, ever how you do your bills, you get paid. If you'll sit down and you'll, you'll write a check or you'll text an offering of at least 10% of your income to God, that I think that God will bless you this year with more than you've ever been blessed with before. My friend, he's not lying. It's true. God says, honor me with your possessions. So all I'm doing is telling you what God's telling you to do. I'm like a spiritual UPS driver. I just deliver it. I may leave it on your porch or the driveway. I may throw it out in the front yard. But it's up to you on what you do with it. See what God does. Now, if you're not tithing, if you're not giving your first fruits to the Lord, you know what you're saying to God? You're saying, God, I can't trust you. I'm going to have to trust these. God, after I meet all my commitments and God, after I pay all my bills and you know what, God, I just, I can't really trust you to provide for me. So instead, I'm going to trust this. Here's what you might as well do when you get home today. Shoot, don't even wait till you get home. Do it in the parking lot. Take out your dollar bills and cross out in God we trust and instead write in money I trust. If it's true that you trust God, go ahead and give him the first fruits of your wealth. That's what the word of God says here. See what happens. Some of you are like, well, that's kind of self-serving. You're the pastor of a church, and the way a church functions is people give tithes and people give offerings. Please hear me as God as my witness. May he strike me down right now if this is not the motive of my heart. I don't stand before you today and tell you this because we need more. As long as we're true to the gospel of Jesus Christ, God will provide for his bride here at Highland Park. I'm standing here telling you as one who knows what it's like to be faithful and one who who knows what it's like to be disobedient. You'll never understand what it's like to live victoriously in faith until you honor him with this. Mm. But here's his promise, okay? Write it down. Verse 10. Your barns will be overflowing. Your vats will be brimming over. Here's what God says. You'll have more than you need. You'll have, now, he doesn't say you'll have more than you want. Some of you are really big on the wanting. You'll have more than you need. George W. Truett, he was a great preacher. One time he was visiting in the home of a billionaire Texas oil man. 
And they were out on the porch on the second story of this massive mansion. And they were there, and this Texas oil man, all of a sudden he, he pointed in one direction where all you could see were oil wells. And here's what he said. He said, Pastor, I own everything as far as you can see in that direction. And then he turned and he pointed in another direction and there were thousands of heads of cattle. And he said, Pastor, I own everything as far as you can see in that direction. And then he turned and he pointed and it was just all these grain fields. And he said, Pastor, I own everything as far as your eye can see in that direction. And then George W. Truitt said, well, sir, may I ask you, how much do you own in that direction? Pointing upward. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Let me ask you this morning as we Entering into this new year, is your heart in Jesus? Is your heart in heaven? Or is your, is your heart in some kind of investment? Is your heart in some kind of job? Is your heart in some kind of a savings plan, some kind of annuity? Or is your heart in Jesus? Folks, all I'm saying is this, according to God's word, and I've looked at this text from every way that I think it can be looked at, do you want to honor him in 2023? Do you want it to be the most fruitful, productive life or year of your life? Obey God. Love God. Trust God. Fear God. Honor God. Not my promise. His promise. You know what I found in my own life? I don't have to wait for January 1 to do it. The good news, today's January 1. Now, I'll say this and we'll close. You remember what we said earlier? It, it, it's, it's hard to trust God if you don't know him. The Bible says that the only way that you can know God is through Jesus. It doesn't mean that you know about Jesus. It means that you have a relationship with Jesus. It means that he's the Lord of your life. That your faith and trust are in Jesus. Has that happened for you? Right now, if you were to be honest, would you say, you know what? He is Lord of my life. I do know him, and he knows me. If not, if you can't say that with absolute confidence, today he offers you the gift of being his child, of knowing Jesus. And that's where it all begins. Do you know him? Would you bow your heads with me today? With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and could I ask you just to hang around a little bit longer? We'll be out of here soon. I've given you the very word of God, the very promises and principles, the conditional word of God. 
What will you do with it? How will you respond? Hey guys, this is Pastor Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to this week's issue of the podcast called Unchangeable Truth. Let me encourage you as well, if you get a chance, go check out our website. It's Highland, H-I-L-A-N-D, Park, P-A-R-K, dot org. On that website, you'll learn more about our ministry at Highland Park Baptist Church. You can also listen to some previous sermons, which are archived for the previous year. And as well, if you ever find yourself in Panama City in person, come and check us out. Worship with us live at 2611 Highway 231 North. And we would also love to talk to you about Jesus Christ. If you've got any questions regarding your relationship with Him, having faith in Him, or if this podcast has encouraged you, or you have other questions regarding the podcast, feel free, shoot us an email at podcast at highlandpark.org. As always, our prayer is that this podcast would point you to Jesus Christ, would increase your faith, and would help you as you mature daily in your walk with Jesus Christ. God bless.